I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, always available on the go on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free, and it gives you the ability to rewind, pause the show, pick up right where you left off. And on the free Odyssey app downloaded today, you can hear the sports junkies from 6 to 10 a.m., I know I always wake up late and rewind to hear what the junks have to say, especially here on a misery Monday. And joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, a legend in the DMV, it's JP Flame. What's going on, JP? What's up, Adam? I'm I'm so upset, JP, that I guess my expectations were so high with Washington and so wrong. I, I just was hoping that we could be a seven or an eight win team, and now it looks like we're going to finish with just four, maybe five wins at the end of the season. Yeah, it's brutal. I had them as a seven-win team before the season because I thought the quarterback, being young, would struggle, and I thought the defense was going to carry him. I couldn't have been more wrong. Now the quarterback has been up and down, and we'll see how he plays out the rest of the season, but the defense has been putrid. I looked at the last month. They've been outscored 150-70. to 70 in the last four games. Yeah, they haven't even been in the game. That's what's so frustrating. Like watching last yesterday, I was thinking, man, can we just keep it close by halftime? We're down 17 nothing, and then 31-7 to at the half. And the team has just completely regressed and not even in the hunt. And to me, that's crazy, JP. When you see teams like the Packers, the Falcons, and the New York Giants with a better shot getting in the postseason than Washington. Well, let's be clear. The Giants don't have a shot and making the postseason, but the Packers do. And the reality is some of these teams are just more talented than the Washington Commanders. We talked about this on the Junkies today. If you think about elite talent, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but if you watch the games yesterday, the biggest game in the NFL, the Eagles against the 49ers, you see guys like Debo Samuel making huge plays, elite players. And we like guys like Terry McLaurin. We like some of the players on this team. But they don't have true elite difference makers. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go all the way that far with Terry McLaurin yet. I mean, I get it. He's been disappointing this season. But just last year, he had three game-winning touchdown grabs. And I do think with a good quarterback and a decent offensive line, he can be an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Problem is, Jahan Dotson's taking a step back. And Curtis Samuel shines, and then he disappears for a few games. But Ron Rivera has told everybody in the media that this roster that he's built is better than before he took over. I would just disagree. JP, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this again this morning. If you look at what Ron inherited, right, he takes over a 3-13. He leads them to the playoffs his first year despite the losing record. And the expectations were they're going to improve upon that and get better each year. And it just hasn't happened. And he's likely right. to walk away with a 13-loss team if they don't win another game this year. If they finish 4-13, and well, how different is that than the end of the Gruden slash Callahan era Every era seems to end this way for the Washington franchise with a tailspin. I said this a month ago. We saw the end of the Shanahan era and similarly, and the end of the Gruden era and similarly, and it's looking like this is going to be a spectacular crash once again. Yeah, I think most people would argue Ron Rivera has been one of the worst, if not the worst, coaches in the NFL this season. Who would you consider the best coach this season in the NFL? I think there are a lot of choices. I mean, Dan Campbell's done a great job, obviously, with the Detroit Lions. Then there are some guys like D'Amico Ryans, who has a Houston Texans team on the precipice of a playoff spot, and nobody would have expected that. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of good coaches uh, this season. The Texans have really surprised me. I didn't think C.J. Stroud uh, was going to be the answer there, but he has really proven me wrong. Uh, Eagles 49ers, great game. Uh, 49ers get the win, but if they rematch in the playoffs, once again from the link, who are you taking? You know what? It's hard not to pick the Niners when they're healthy. Um, Debo Samuel last year after the Niners didn't have a healthy Brock Purdy said, hey, let's run it back and see what happens if we have Purdy. Well, they had five straight possessions with touchdowns yesterday. It was super impressive to see what they did yesterday in Philadelphia against an Eagles team. But let's be honest, the Eagles team the last month, they pulled out wins, but they've had a lot of close games. And they've been somewhat fortunate. I'll give them credit. Jalen Hurts is a true stud, but they've been somewhat fortunate to pull out all of these wins. I think on paper, and the game is not played on paper, the 49ers are the more talented team. So if there's a rematch, I would lean towards the Niners so long as they've got Trent Trent Williams and Debo Samuel healthy. J.P. Flame with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Clean Hotline. Check him out on the Junkies Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. J.P., who would you give the NFL MVP award to right now? Man, I know that the betting favorites are guys like Hurts. I think Mahomes drops down after last night. But we're talking about the Niners. Take a look at Brock Purdy's efficiency. People say he's a system quarterback. Well, he's running that system to perfection. Another four touchdowns last night. So I think you got to look at him. Alternatively, if you don't go quarterback, we saw this yesterday. Tyreek Hill should be considered as an MVP candidate. No, I I totally agree, and it's been fun to have him on my fantasy team uh, this season. So we've got five weeks of the season to go, and the Commanders aren't in the hunt here, so I need to give myself something to cheer for, something to watch on Sundays. My producer has gone all in on Josh Dobbs. He loves Josh Dobbs, and he's rooting for the Vikings. Has JP picked a team that you're going to support this postseason? Well, let me tell your producer this. Dobbs may not even start in their next game. Have they made a decision (laughs) at quarterback? The last thing they said after Dobbs had that dud was they were going to get Jefferson back in the lineup and they were going to figure out which quarterback gave Jefferson the best chance to succeed because that, of course, gives the team the best chance to succeed. So don't just ride Dobbs if he's not even going to start. They might go. Yeah, stop. How do you respond to that? (laughs) I I, I unfortunately agree that I don't think he's going to start, but (laughs) again, I've been a Vikings (laughs) fan for three weeks, so (laughs) can't be too committed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're a free agent fan looking for a team to follow, you know, in the NFC, and I know if you're a Commanders fan, you can't go with the Cowboys. They're a fun, explosive team to follow. <laughs> but maybe you go with the Niners if you want a front run. I guess it just kind of depends on what kind of fan you want to be. Over in the AFC, you know, if you want to stay local, go with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They're going to be an absolute contender. They might be the one seed in the AFC. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out but they're definitely going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, it's interesting the way the season has kind of played out. Everyone thought Buffalo had a chance to be a contender. I don't think they get into the postseason. They're 6-6 six and six with the date against the angry Chiefs next week, JP. Yeah, the Bills have a brutal schedule. If they get in, they're a scary team. But that's how you kind of have to look at this. A lot of it is who do you play, right? The Eagles may not end up being the one seed because if you look at their schedule – They've got the Cowboys. They have some really tough tough games up in the schedule. Now, it gets soft the last three weeks, but we saw them get through a little bit of a gauntlet until this week. 
with a little bit of a hiccup. They got the one-game lead, but we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. JP, you guys cover the ACC when you talk to Bill Roth for Virginia Tech. So before I let you go, I want to ask you, are you upset for the ACC with Florida State going 13-0 undefeated and missing the college football playoffs? I said, I think Alabama's more deserving. Same with Texas. I don't care that Florida State won all their games. They're in the ACC, which hasn't been good enough in the last three years. I'm not somebody that's going to cry for a conference. I root for teams, <laughs> and I don't have a particular passion for Florida State. But I think they were boned. <laughs> I understand that they lost their quarterback. Valdez made a great point on the show today. Um, you win games in many different ways. All right? Maybe they don't have their starting quarterback. Because the, 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 the narrative is if he was healthy, they're in the college football playoffs competing for a championship, right? If, right. if they've got their quarterback, they're going to be one of the top four teams. Well, he goes down. They've won the last two games. And if you look at what the defense did against Louisville, who has a pretty good offense, they're a top 25 team. They shut them down to six points. So you don't credit a team. Look, they're in a Power 5 conference. They won all their games. It's not ideal that they don't have their starting quarterback. But this happened to Ohio State a few years ago. JT Barrett goes down, Cardale Jones fills in, they win the national championship. It's unfortunate they're not even going to have a shot at it. And I yeah. think as a fan, not of any of the particular teams in the college football playoff or the teams that missed, what happens if Florida State beats Georgia and then you see this championship play out? It's going to be a big what if. What if yeah. Florida State had been given a chance? Well, I, I think I would argue that when you look at the ACC, I mean – Clemson was bad this year. Second place was Louisville uh, in year two under a new head coach. NC State was third place. I just think the ACC didn't get any respect, and I get it. Florida State beat LSU. Uh, they needed to schedule Georgia or Alabama uh, to get into the playoffs, even though they went 13-0. I would even argue that even if um, their quarterback stays healthy, you still have to put Alabama in because they won the SEC, and the SEC is the college football championship conference it has been for the last 10 years and i just think to leave out alabama and georgia would have been a complete crime well fortunately we won't have to worry about it next year when they put 12 teams in the college football playoff but a team was going to get screwed and i do think florida state got screwed jp always appreciate it man thanks so much all right boss continue thriving yep you're listening to awad radio here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105 1fm welcome back I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every game can be heard on 910 The Fan. If you were tuning in yesterday, of course, there was a Virginia Tech basketball game on, which always means flip over to 1140 AM WRVA News Radio to hear the Commanders' full broadcast and the postgame gut check. You can always tweet us throughout the show at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D, R-A-D-I-O, or you can call in 833-804-0910. Let's go to the phone lines here, 833-804-0910. We've got Robert in Glen Allen. What's going on, Robert? Hey, Awad, I just had a really strange experience Friday I'd like to share with you. Um, sure. So, so, my, so my son had a basketball game, and after the basketball game, my wife had gone out with some friends. So I stopped by the local sports bar right by my house, and I'm looking at VCU was on the TV, and Uh-oh. I see that they're down to Michigan State. And I was like, man, they're, they're, I didn't know they are playing Michigan State. Then I 
looked a little harder, and the, I mistook the M for an N, and they were actually playing Norfolk State. And I was like, yeah. wow, they're losing to Norfolk State. This is the same VCU that would not uh, schedule Old Dominion in conjunction with the University of Richmond, and the A-10 decided not to uh, schedule Old Dominion, but they're playing our little brothers down there, Norfolk State losing. So I just want to get your take on that. I was very confused when I sat down. I certainly thought it was MSU. And yeah, well, let, let me ask, let me ask, question, ask you a question. You watch the VCU team this year. Does it look like a team who lost their five starting players and leading scorers from last year? Do they look like a team that's got a brand-new head coach and a bunch of transfer portal guys trying to learn a new offense? Relax, Robert. It's well, early in the season, well, and you know what? The only thing that matters is the A-10 tournament in Brooklyn because this is only going to be a one-bid league, so all we got to do is beat up on little brother Dayton, you know, take care of St. Louis, and we could be dancing once again in the NCAA tournament. Well, you, you normally just reload at VCU, right? I mean, as VCU's like Kentucky. They always just reload and keep going. And they, you know, but when they don't schedule uh, good teams in the state, it's a shame that they decide to, you know, to schedule Norfolk State instead of Old Dominion, which is right down the street a little bit. It is, it's a shame, all. and it was a, it was a bad loss. But I'll tell you this. Utah State had a guy by the name of LeBron James last year, a.k.a. Sean Bairstow. And as soon as Sean Bairstow returns from injury, you're going to be looking at a completely different VCU roster. They're going to play the lineup they want with the guys they want, and the offense will run the way Ryan Odom wants it to run. That's been the issue this year is too many scoring droughts. And that's why I said it makes sense. You lost Ace Baldwin. You lost your second leading scorer in Jaden Nunn. When you lose all these points, including uh, Jalen Deloach down low and Brandon Johns Jr. down low, it's hard to find people to score the ball. And so Zeb Jackson has been able to score. Max Scholga has been able to score. But when you look at the losses this season to Iowa State, to Boise State, McNeese State, all the states, Norfolk State, right? that's the problem. We need to stop scheduling state schools. When you look at all the box scores from those, it's Scholga, Zeb Jackson, and then it's a blank. We don't have a third scorer. That's why we're waiting for Bearstow to return. All right. Well, I wish you luck, but I wish I would keep scheduling Old Dominion down in the future. I hope we can get back on the schedule because it's, uh, it's a shame that y'all yeah. are scheduling you know, lesser teams. No, no, you're right. Uh, believe me. I, it ruined my weekend losing to Norfolk State. I had people tweeting me, oh, you're not even pronouncing it right. Norfolk, Norfolk, not, nor F that. I mean, right. I don't care. Uh, but I just <laughs> wanted my team to win this game. I will say, though, at the end of the year, you're going to hear from the NSU Spartans. Their head coach is unbelievable. He coached a great game. I pointed it out to Sean Robertson, who was on the TV broadcast with Ed Nixon. There was a time when VCU was on a 6-0 run, and then Norfolk State scored and called timeout. And the crowd was getting into it and was completely silenced by that timeout there. And I thought it was a brilliant timeout. Most of the time, coaches all call timeout when they give up a bucket, not when they score a bucket to silence a crowd. So I thought he did an incredible job coaching, and I'll give him credit for that. All right. Well, it made my weekend. I'm sorry, Jared, <laughs> but it made mine. Yeah. No. What? Hey, what All bowl? Right. I know you're an ODU fan. What bowl is ODU going to be playing in? They're 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 playing in the Bahamas Bowl, which is renamed the Famous Toastery Bowl, which is a uh, Famous Toastery. People don't know is a uh, chain, kind of like Panera Bread, uh-huh. and so it's called the Famous Toastery Bowl. They're playing in Charlotte at UNC Charlotte Stadium. On February, uh, January, I mean, sorry, December the 18th, which is a Monday, kind of a interesting day to have a bowl game, but it's Monday the 18th. Yep, well, I'll be checking in. I appreciate the call, Robert. If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. Speaking of bowl games, NC State and Kansas State to meet in Orlando on December 28th for the 2023 
Pop-Tarts Bowl. Stop. how did we not do this story already earlier this week or last week? They are going to give out an edible Pop-Tart to the winner. So they're going to have some kind of a mascot running around all game in a Pop-Tart suit, sweating up all the place, and then they're going to serve that suit after the game? What is going on in this world? So I did my research on that because that was a concern for, for me as well. But they're yeah. going to have a non-edible Pop-Tart <laughs> mascot on the field, and then they're going to bring the edible one out afterwards oh, so it's so not it's, all sweaty and dusty. Yeah, so it's just like a mind trick, right? They're going to have, oh, look, that's the Pop-Tart on the sideline, dancing around, doing the splits and doing cartwheels and then they're going to replace him with someone with fake eyes that they can eat after the game. I get it. I mean, that's better than the Duke Mayo Bowl with mayo getting poured on you. I could crush Pop-Tarts every single day. They're so good. Do you have a favorite uh, flavor Pop-Tart stuff? For me, I, I usually say the brown sugar cinnamon. Uh, that's a top for me, but I also love the purple one with the br- blue stripe on it. Purple one with a blue stripe on it. Yeah, what? wild berry, I think. <laughs> okay, wild berry. Yeah. But hold you on, just, I'm taking a You just a, love the colors. Color. <laughs> if you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. The original title for the Pop-Tarts Bowl back in 1990 was the Blockbuster Bowl. Blockbuster's gone out of business. They moved to Orlando and signed a multi-year agreement with Florida Citrus Sports to become the new title sponsor of the game. The 2023 Pop-Tarts Bowl is coming December 18, 28th at 545. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Let's go to the phone lines. Looks like we've got Mike calling in from Orlando. What's going on, Mike? Yeah, just a note on that Pop-Tarts Bowl. That time of year, you definitely need two outfits for that game. One for tailgating <laughs> in the day when it's 75 and beautiful, and then one at night when it's 50s and a little chilly. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that, Mike. What else did you want to chime in about today? Well, I, I just I just want to want you guys to ponder a couple of points on Florida State getting cheated out of the playoffs. Really, I yeah. mean, do, do you think for a moment that if Georgia had won the SEC championship game number one, that Florida State would have been excluded? My answer is not a chance. The right. only reason that they were they were excluded in that situation is because they had to justify putting Alabama and Texas in because of the head-to-head. Secondly, do you think for a moment that if Alabama had lost its starting quarterback, that it would have been excluded from the playoffs? And my answer is definitely not because of the SEC bias that's inherently held by the media and ESPN as the owners of the college football playoffs. No, you're right, but hey, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, Mike, let me ask you this. Do you really believe the SEC bias is fake? Like, do you not believe the SEC is the best conference in college football for the last 15 years? I mean, look, Georgia has been so talented, and they're on the outside looking in this year because Alabama beat them. LSU was good. Ole Miss was good. Tennessee, Missouri. I'm taking all of those teams to beat up on FSU. My Clemson Tigers went head-to-head several times and won two national championships against the SEC. Yes, at the top, they're the best. But, yeah. you know, third team on, not necessarily. They're no, not so, any but better you're, than but anybody you just mentioned else. It. You just mentioned it. You're a Clemson fan, and when Clemson fell off, the ACC as a whole fell off, and I think that's what it came down to, is the ACC doesn't get respect. Do you think Florida State, if they were the four seed, wins a game against Michigan or wins a game against Washington? I, I don't, even with a healthy quarterback. Well, uh, first of all, Michigan hasn't played anybody outside of – the conference win that they had over Ohio State. Iowa is a joke on offense. They're they're far worse than Florida State. And then, second of all, we don't have enough empirical evidence. Kate uh, Rodemaker played, started one game 
went to an SEC school and won that game. So, you know, I'm, you know, what we saw in the ACC championship game is not reflective of what Florida State would have been in the playoffs because they would have had their number two quarterback, not their number three quarterback. Yeah, no, you're right, Mike, and I appreciate you going back and forth with me. Let me hear your top four teams. If it has nothing to do with who deserves it, but who are the most talented four teams in college football this season? Well, I think the the most talented teams are, I mean, just look at the recruiting rankings. It's Alabama, Georgia, and uh, Ohio State, and then, of course, Washington. Uh, when you look at the number of five stars that they brought in recently, that's your top four in terms of, uh, of best teams. Yeah, right, and, and I think we're going to get some really good matchups with Washington, Texas, Michigan, Alabama. Um, I get it. You're upset as a Clemson fan and someone that supports the ACC but I think after you watch these college football playoffs, you're going to be like, damn, those were some great games. I think they got it right with the teams they chose. Let me just make it clear. I do not support the ACC. They have been on Clemson's <laughs> back as often as they could for as long as I've been alive. You know, they can they can go ahead and go wherever. But I do want to say before I go that I'm really enjoying listening to your show as I'm almost to Richmond from Orlando. Uh, thanks so much, and, and you're doing great. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for chiming in. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910. The fan now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Commanders, Virginia Tech football and basketball, VCU, and much, much more, including a couple of live local shows. MP on the mic can be heard Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 noon, and I'm from 12 to 3 p.m., always available on the go on the Odyssey app. And Michael is having some fun on social media with this graphic that he put out. Stubbed, have you seen some of the comments on here? He's over 60 comments when he said, don't believe the naysayers. Commander's still in the hunt, and he tagged me and 910 the fan with a graphic that says, in the hunt, Commanders at 4-9. and nine. So even though we lost, I'm still getting what I want, which is just to be included in the in the hunt graphic. Um, Beer, Sway, Beer Snake tweets me, no team with more than eight losses gets in. Commanders out. Uh, Sonny and Sam tweets me, you've been dipping into your drug bag again, huh? Josh Harris um, parody account says, Michael, we need fans like you. You keep the lights on even when other fans bail on the season. However, you need a reality check. I am keeping Ron in at head coach to make sure we get a good draft pick and continue to lose, forget the playoffs. Trevor tweets us at AWOD and at Stub Radio. Happy Misery Monday. It was highly disappointing to see Washington lose again to the Dolphins, and it's a failure that Ron didn't even try to run the defense. Instead, he let someone else do it, and I don't even know who that person was. That's a great point, Trevor. It, it is irking me that Ron Rivera, you know, all the stories all week long were, oh, he's going to take over for Jack Del Rio. He believes he's going to simplify things and fix the defense. And then he handed the responsibilities over to someone else who has no experience. So once again, I ask you, what are you being paid to do, Ron Rivera? Because I don't understand. He was still standing there with his arms crossed every time it got to him. Every single time. Yeah. And Danny Ruye at Funny Danny, who you can hear after me from 3 to 6, tweeted, I can't stop thinking about how Washington was 2-0. That's a great point. I mean, we started this season with so much excitement, right? That was a must-win game against the Arizona Cardinals. Struggle, but you get the win 20-16. to Everyone said, oh, the schedule's so tough. You've got to go to Denver and beat a bad Broncos team with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson still figuring things out. Well, they went down by 18, but came from behind to win 35-33. to 33. And since that moment, 
It has been a depressing ride as a Commanders fan. Three straight losses, and then, oh, you get lucky against the Atlanta Falcons. Two straight losses, oh, you get lucky against the New, Ind New England Patriots. And now another four straight losses, and it just feels like they might not win another game for the end of the season. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. I want to throw it out there that I asked J.P. Flame about this and a few other reporters. Ron Rivera claims that things are better than before he got here. He's fixed the culture. He believes that he's been able to develop a roster and find a franchise quarterback. I would argue the roster is worse, if not just as good as when before he took over and Jay Gruden was in charge. 833-804-0910. Stubb, I know you had a few other questions about the game that you wanted to ask me as the Commanders lose by 30 points to the Miami Dolphins. It was a wire-to-wire -wire victory for Mike McDaniel and Tua. Yeah, give me one sec. Uh, I got to say from that graphic, seeing the Commanders there reminds me of a week ago when people said that the uh, – Carolina Panthers could still make it into the playoffs. It seems right. like a right. I mean, Can New yeah, England still like, snake in at two and eight? I mean, <laughs> but, how about the Jets at four and eight? Right. I mean, yeah. Just because you're in the in the hunt graphic doesn't mean you're really in the hunt. We're closer to the hunt for the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a question I had was: Is there a single player on the Commanders roster that could have stopped Tyreek Hill? Oh, that's a good question. I I would say no. <laughs> right? I mean, the plan was, and everyone says the same plan going into the games against the Dolphins, is to put your best corner on him and then have a safety over top for help. Washington chose to put their worst safety on him with no help over the top, and he scored two long touchdowns for a total of 157 yards. I mean, they didn't have any idea how to stop him. I would say that your best chance is Benjamin St. Juice pushing him at the line of scrimmage and messing up his route, but then it comes down to, we don't have a pass rush. When you don't have a pass rush because you trade Montez Sweat and Chase Young, who, yeah, are playing pretty well for their new teams, Tyreek Hill is able to run a double move because Tua has all day in the backfield to throw the ball. And so with the amount of pressure that we got on Miami, there was no stopping Tyreek Hill, even if you put three or four guys on him. Yeah, because it, was this a play-calling thing or was this a player thing? And, and I think it might have been both. <laughs> I think it was definitely both because Ron Rivera didn't have any idea what he was doing on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't even come close to getting a stop in the entire first half. And then uh, you look at the players, and they tried multiple guys. Nobody could come close to stopping Tyreek Hill. All right, my next question, because you're getting a little bit hesitant on Sam Howell. So yeah. what would it take to get you back on the train, and what would it take for you to completely give up on the Sam Howell train? That's a good point. I don't think that anything could go wrong at the end of the season for me to completely move on from Sam Howell. He's shown too many glimpses of possibility to be the franchise quarterback. Uh, but I do want to see that touchdown-to-interception ratio go back up for touchdowns and da down for interceptions. Five INTs in the last three games, including eight in the last six games. So he's just really struggled turning the ball over. And a few of those games, like Philadelphia and Seattle, Oh, yeah, three touchdown passes, so you can deal with the bad plays, the turnovers, but as of late, he doesn't have any touchdown passes. And so I want to see Sam Howell get better touchdown-to-interception ratio. I want him to take more shots downfield, right? It just I, I hate how everyone's out on Terry McLaurin now and on social media they're calling him mid-McLaurin. I'm not ready to say that he's not an elite wide receiver still. I just think you don't have the offensive line and you don't have the play calling to get him open. It's too many drop back and quick throws, which hurts a guy like Terry McLaurin, who is really good at reading the soft zone 
in a defense, and it helps a guy like Curtis Samuel. That's why Curtis Samuel has been more involved as of late. But I'm not giving up on Sam Howell, no matter if he has you know three interceptions a game towards the end of the season. There's been enough bright spots. But if you ask me how I want to see him to improve, I want to see him throw for more yards and get more touchdowns, limiting the turnovers. Fair enough. And uh, I want to ask, since we talked about Terry McLaurin, did you see his quote uh, from the game? Yeah, read it to me one more time if you have. It was something like, all I did was did a little yeah, cardio. They, they asked if he was frustrated about not having a catch today, and he said, nah, I ran a lot of cardio. And yeah. so I guess the question off of that is, like, why are we just forgetting Terry? Or is he not getting open? Are we not calling plays to him? What is happening? I think the only one that can answer that question is the offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. But like I, I've been saying, I think it comes down to the weaknesses on this offense, right? They don't have an offensive line, which changes the way he wants to call a game. And then, even though the offensive line is bad, every once in a while you got to call a passing play here. And Sam Howell's running for his life and forced to move off of his spot. That was the biggest thing I noticed. Two was dropping back, staying in his spot until he released the ball. Sam Howell barely had one play where he didn't have to move off of his spot and make a guy miss before throwing it downfield. So I really think it all comes down to how bad the offensive line is, and it is garbage. Yeah, me and my friend were talking last night that that me and him could go on the O-line and nothing would change about <laughs> the speed at which the defense is able to get to Sam Howell. Yeah, except for you guys would have a bunch of broken arms and broken <laughs> legs because you can't handle the pass rush. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the offensive line has been an issue all season long, and it seems like it's gone back to being an issue the last three weeks. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. We've had a lot of really good calls today. If you want to chime in, it's the final segment, 833-804-0910. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Misery Monday, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can check me out here every Monday throughout the football season, live and local, from 12 to 3 p.m. And one of my loyal listeners is here, and he told me, Terry McLaurin is elite and an awesome receiver who got 1,000 yards twice with Taylor Heineke as he enjoys a beer here at Capitol Ale House. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think McLaurin is the issue, and uh, I would not question the talent that he is at the wide receiver position. I'd more question the play calling from Eric Bieniemy. How do you not get your best player involved? And number two, that's what happens when you're working with a young quarterback who's inconsistent and an offensive line that can't cover anybody. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Last night, the Eagles lost to the 49ers. Well, they've added help. According to Adam Schefter, Philadelphia has signed former Colts All-Pro Shaq Leonard to a one-year deal with the Eagles. He visited two teams, Philadelphia and the Dallas Cowboys. He is expected to play Sunday night at Dallas versus the Cowboys, the other team that he visited. So we'll see how Philadelphia's defense improves with the help of linebacker Shaq Leonard. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. Let's go to the phone lines here. We've got Greg in Quinton. Where's Quinton? What's up, Greg? Yeah, we're down here in New Kent, Virginia. Okay. If you're familiar with that at all. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to say, everybody jumps the gun uh, on how, on his performance and ratings and so forth, which I think he's a, a, a really good deal for what we got for fifth round. Yeah. Um, if, as far as I can remember back, to, you know, from the 90s at least, Ramsey, Campbell, all these quarterbacks that we got first round, great these great prospects, everything – 
they all had a, a horrible line blocking. Yeah. For, as soon as the ball was hiked, they're running for their lives. And I haven't seen that fixed since then. I, no. We've had some no, great lines. That's, a, don't that's get me a great point. It's such a great point because I have vivid memories watching Jason Campbell growing up and being like, man, he can really sling it if he's not constantly running for his life. Exactly. Patrick Ramsey before him, same thing. Yeah. Every time the ball was hiked, he was running, and it ruined these quarterbacks. And, and my point is is that, you know, it, 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 I think if we got our offensive line it's halfway decent, I think that you're going to see a, a lot better how uh, consistently. And so I, that's, that's where my point was. So what do you want to see from Sam Howell over the final few weeks of the season? I just want to see him uh, – I want to see him get rid of the ball quicker. Sometimes he yeah. seems to hold on to it. Even, you know, the line seems like sometimes they're giving him some time. And, and, and uh, I'd like to see something like that happen. Um, it, 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 I, I love his calmness and, and how bad things doesn't affect him mentally. It seems like he he could keep uh, going forward. Um, but besides that, yeah, just getting rid of the ball quicker. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I watch Sam Howe, sometimes it frustrates me or it feels like he's always looking for the home run shot. He's always looking downfield. And sometimes he's got Gibson and Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel underneath. And it's just like, hey, man, take five yards and move on. Stop trying to force it. And you're holding on to the ball too long because you want to hit the home run pass. I, I agree. I don't. I don't. Uh, and also, I, I, you know, in my opinion, I think we should be running the ball more. I mean, yeah. it, it's just this constant. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's like you're giving him more of a chance to get an interception and all that stuff's going to go higher also. But, yeah, let's run the ball more and, and, and get some more uh, quick passes. Yeah. And it's a terrible situation for Sam Howell. I appreciate the call. Thanks for chiming in. 833-804-0910. Good call, Greg. 833-804-0910. I think a lot of the issues right now are the head coach, right? You know, Jay Gruden shouting out on, on Twitter yesterday, four to five years now, figured the culture would be, would have been different. And I think a lot of fans feel that way. Is that Ron Rivera kind of got to the podium week after week and said, hey, have I fixed the culture? Have Are we building something here uh, in this locker room with the talent that we have? And I do think that now here we are, the end of the Ron Rivera era, I'm changing my mind on everything. No, I don't think you've built a culture. It's not a winning culture. It's not a winning organization. Talent-wise, I don't think we're much improved than where we were before you got here. Heck, your number two overall pick was Chase Young. Where is he at now in San Francisco? Uh, your number one overall pick, Emmanuel Forbes, stink in the bed. Jahan Dotson, can't catch the ball anymore. Jamin Davis, way overrated as a starting linebacker. And so we're seeing the product of a head coach here that had too much power as the GM involved in ownership with the changing of the guard. They let him draft the players. They let him sign his free agents, and that's what we're seeing. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, the talent evaluator, is where he failed us most as a Skins head coach. Yes, he failed us calling the defense. He totally failed us not throwing a challenge flag. I totally believe we beat the Eagles that game if he simply throws the challenge flag, but I think the reason he failed most in Washington was the amount of hats that he was wearing as the commander-in-chief of the Washington Commanders. Too many bad draft picks, bad free agent pickups, and sticking with quarterbacks that are not good enough like Carson Wentz. Just so frustrating. Stubb, and here we are now. we got to do like four and five more weeks of this, and I just want Ron Rivera to be fired. And it doesn't seem like 
I'm going to get my wish. No matter how many losses they get and no matter how embarrassing it is, Josh Harris is going to hold on till the end of the season. Yeah, if he's not out yet, they're they're not getting rid of him until the end. Yeah, That would be a, a real shock. I know, I know. And I just think that it would be the best thing for the organization moving forward if you get somebody in there to get some kind of positive momentum. Because I get what they're saying, and, and Michael Phillips made a great point with this when he called in. They want the job to look like a great job. How do you make it look like a great job? You let Ron Rivera steer them off the tracks and say, oh, yeah, but you've got uh, five picks in the first 100. You've got all this cap space. It's easier to get the train back on the track. And if you hire a head coach before the end of the season, then maybe they would figure it out. And because of that, it's not as big of a destination for other head coaches. Um, I just think the issue for Washington this offseason is going to be the amount of franchises that have more cap space, or a better quarterback moving forward. Like, if I'm a top head coaching candidate, I am absolutely, absolutely looking at the Chargers, right? This is a Chargers team that feels to me like they're a head coach away from being a wild card team, if not a contender, in the AFC. 833 8330910. Let's go back to the phone lines. Got a quick call on line one. It is Spider John. What's going on, Spider John? Hey there, buddy. How you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. I Happy Monday, know, right? Yeah, you What's too. That? I, I mean, I, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I yeah. wish I could think of one good thing that Ron Rivera has done. I mean, it's almost like he is the antithesis of of a coach. I mean, he's just so bad, and I think he has done a, a terrible job. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah, nothing to no. look forward to. It, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no nothing to be positive about towards the end of the season. Just root for the team to lose, which to me is infuriating. I mean, you look at Forbes this year. Forbes, I mean, we had, a, had an opportunity to get some really good ball players in that yeah. first round, and we took a guy that probably would have been a second or third rounder. I, I'm I mean, with you. He's not big enough to play in, the, in with the big guys. Right. It's frustrating. Right. Yeah, I mean, just look how many draft picks that Ron Rivera has failed on. And uh, it's frustrating that here year. we are in the middle year of a lame duck season. He just had no shot. No shot. Yeah, well, I just wanted you to know you weren't uh, talking uh, without some support out there. I mean, I'm, I'm commis- you know, misery loves company, so I figured yeah. I'd give you a call and give you a little misery. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Spider right. John. Thanks for chiming in. Loyal member of the AWOD Army. You can always tweet us at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air as we're all kind of venting here on a misery Monday. And I just think the reason the fan base is so upset is because we had expectations that were like 500, and that was too much to ask for. Too much to ask to be 500 at this point in the season under Ron Rivera. Appreciate everybody calling in the show today. Thanks to all the help I got here at Capital Ale House in Innsbruck. You can catch me tomorrow from 12 to 3 right here on The Fan. Stub, great work today. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.